everyone, and this is episode 24, Going Beyond Salvation, and which is season two, and this is your host, Jess Robinson, and we're continuing on in our daily reading, and with the daily reading, we're just going through, and, you know, as we ended up finishing with, you know, Bail... There was the story of Balak and Balaam, and, you know, we get through the second order of of Balaam, and when we start off in our, our reading again, there's a third order, oracle, and you know, the Spirit of God comes upon Balaam, but it's not the same, you know, infilling that that happens as as what happened in in the book of acts and and in the new testament it, you know it came upon him for the purpose of revelation um not for endorsement as a prophet um and we see that Balak's anger is burned and you know he's just not happy and Balaam says you know I told pretty much he's just saying I told you so you know I'm not you know, I I told you I could only do what the Lord tells me, and so we have this happen with with Balak and Balaam, and Balaam ends up having a fourth oracle talking about what's going to happen to Amalek and and you know to Balak, you know, and the Kenites. He ends up having these oracles. Now there's a a verse in there about a star and it's in verse 17 of chapter 24 and it says a star will come out of Jacob a scepter will rise out of Israel he will crush the foreheads of Moab the skulls of all the sons of Sheth There has been some debate about the what the meaning of the star is Some refer that star as to Jesus and his universal reign over all the nations However, some believe that it only refers to King David, you know, and it it could be either, you know, I read it and it could be either. I haven't really taken that much time to really deeply study it, but he has this fourth oracle and, you know, that there's going to be ruin and, you know, and, and the Israelites are going to prevail pretty much and, you know, that's, that's what ends up happening, you know, Balaam, and he go, you know, gets up and returns home. But what we don't realize, and we won't realize till later on in uh, chapter 31 of, of numbers is Balaam actually gave the Moabites, you know, advice that they were to entice the Israelites into immorality you know, in hopes that the, that this won't come upon them. Now we see these oracles that happen and it's like they, they're going to happen. You know, God has prophesied the, these things are going to happen. Now, yes, they are conditional. And if the Israelites would would never turn, you know, would have turned away and never turned back, you know, Moab probably would have succeeded. Because the Lord would have just said no, but they don't, you know. And well, as we read, you know, 
there's people that that weren't for it. And what it is is and what I got out of it is, you know, like the Lord reminded me that the enemy is going to distract us from our calling. And that's what happened to the Israelites here. They were enticed into sexual morality and enticed away, you know, from, from the Lord, their God. They were, they, they were distracted from their calling. And that's what the enemy will try to do to us is he will try to, you know, distract us from our calling. And, and, and sometimes it's not just, you know, through sexual morality or turning away from the Lord. Sometimes it can be, you know, what we think is good it could actually be keeping us away from the calling that, that God has put in our hearts. You know, we may be thinking that, you know, you know, when we, especially like in our lives where we cause ourselves you know, to have busy schedules. And that's just because, you know, that's really all my heart. I'm, I've been starting and, and I have to restart this book all the time because I get so carried away with other stuff. And it's like the Lord has told me you need to like pick this book back up. So, you know, I'm speaking to myself, but this book that I've been reading is, you know, your sacred yes, which is, um, by Susie Larson. And it's a really good book. She writes really, really good books. And this one is about, you know, being careful about what you say yes to, you know, and because even in the church, in the body of Christ, we could think that, you know, we're doing good in some area, but we're actually not in the calling that God wants us to be, or because we're overburdened or, you know, we're running ourselves ragged. And so that's just something that, you know, we have to be careful with is the enemy will distract us from our calling. He'll distract us from our calling, even with things like Facebook. You know, how many times are we scrolling through our Facebook? You know, and even with some events that happen around us that, you know, for example, when this is being recorded, you know, this is you know, happening in a time where there's coronavirus and everything is shut down. And, you know, many Christians are going, well, I'm just going to hold myself up and, and hope that this is going to be done. And it's like, but as a church, as the body of Christ, we are called in, in, in times like this, you know, to rise up and be the church that, that God called us to be. And sometimes we, we're, you know, take you know, instances like that where, and, and not focus on the calling that God has for us. And so, you know, that's what the enemy will try to do. And, and we see that he tries, you know, using Moab to seduce Israel. And yes, there's that, there are people that fall for it, but then there's also those that are mourning and there's those that have a zeal for the Lord. And we see that in in the story of in in the story with Phineas Phineas has such a zeal for the Lord that you know we see this man he walks by and with a woman and I think it was like you know because they're called to to humble themselves before the Lord and it was a blatant rebellion against God. Like it was just a blatant disregard. And we see that in these days, there are people that blatantly disregard the Lord. Like I was watching, 
you know, and I ended up telling my husband, we're never watching this YouTube channel again. And it was, you know, these Irish people trying different chicken sandwiches. And one of them was from Chick-fil-A. And they said, well, their, their intentions are always bad, but their, their chicken is good. And it's like, oh, really? You know? (laughs) And they just kept making remarks about, you know, Chick-fil-A because of Chick-fil-A's stand, um, and their beliefs, you know, to the Lord. And, and so I sat there and I said, no, you know, I had this, such this zealous anger. It was like, we are not watching this channel ever again, because, you know, these guys are very, they have such a blatant disregard for the Lord. And, and we see that with Phineas, And he has the zeal and he, you know, his zeal goes as far as he kills this man and and the Midianite woman and, you know, and cutting them off from God's people. You know, he's just like, no. And because of that, you know, the Lord, you know, gives him a promise of a lasting priesthood. And when we're zealous for the Lord, you know, when we have a heart that, you know, guards itself against the things of this world, you know, and we see such a disregard, you know, and we're just saying, no, we're not having a part of this and, and choosing to, to stick with the Lord in our relationship with the Lord and not disregarding him in a way it's, you know, the Lord is going to reward us with great blessings because we choose to not disregard him. And so I, I just want to say, you know, we have to have such a zeal in that, in, in our walk with the Lord, have a zeal. And, and we have to be that way these days because there are people that are so, you know, there's just certain, like, for example, there's, there's even more and more YouTube channels that I will not watch. And it's getting harder to find anything good to watch because, It's like, even if they use the Lord's name in vain, I'm just sitting here going, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Sorry. You know, it's like, you guys need to really have some respect (laughs) for the Lord and, and all of that. So, so that's pretty much in, in chapter 25 and, you know, and because of that, you know, the Lord's like, kill the Midianites. They're, they're enemies. And, and so they're, they're to kill the, the Midianites. And we're going to see as well that Balaam is actually going to die as well because of uh, what he did. Which it's, it's sad because, you know, he, he was more focused on, you know, the favor of men, I think, in a way even though he had such a a radical encounter with God that he, he chose to, to go the way of the world. And there are some that are going to be that way, you know, that choose to walk away from the Lord, even though they have such a wonderful, you know, radical encounter with the Lord. Then we, we continue on in chapter 26 and we went ahead and went through all of chapter 26 because what it is is it's called the second census 
when you look in a Bible. It's called the second sec- census because at the beginning in Numbers, we have a, a census that is taken to establish the Israelites as a nation and, and establish their military. And then they have a complete lack of faith, disregard for God, and they're sent out to the desert to wander for 40 years. The second census that is being done is uh, what ends up happening is they're talking about you know what what's happening is is he is starting because you know all all the older generation is pretty much dying off and there's a a new generation that you know they have to take the census for as a nation and a military, you know, upon entering Canaan. And, and so that is what this whole chapter 26 is about. And, but what I kind of got out of it is, you know, the, the Israelites had, you know, and, and the Lord had forgiven them, but he made them wander the desert for 40 years. And the older generation didn't get to see the promise because, of their lack of faith. But God did not take away the promise totally from Abraham, like those who he had made his promise to. And and even to to Caleb and Caleb and and Joshua, you know, they they were exempt. And you know, what I got from it is God is a God of second chances. We see in the second census he's going to go he's pretty much saying we're going to do this. You're going to go into the land of Canaan, as I have promised to your forefathers. So he's going to go at it again. And it's, you know, we're going to see this over and we're going to, I think this is kind of the theme, you know, for today is, you know, God is a God of second chances, you know, and it just doesn't mean that we blatantly disregard God and go do whatever we want and ask him to, you know, give us a second chance it's you know in those times where yes we we do have a misstep and then we're repentant about it and go okay god give me a second chance or we miss out on what god wanted us to do the first time around and we realize it and our hearts you know are repentant to the lord and we tell him okay god give me a second chance and we'll see that in, in the story of Jonah, because Jonah runs away from God's calling what he was supposed to do. And, you know, when he's in, in the belly of, of a giant fish for three days, you know, he's, he realizes and he's repentant and he's like, God give me a second chance and God gives him a second chance to go you know to the Ninevites. And so we'll see that and we're going to see this with Peter as well. You know, we're going to talk about Peter the apostle Peter as well in the book of Mark. And so that's essentially for for numbers today. We're going to uh take a quick break and we're actually going to talk about Psalms 37 before we jump into Mark. 
And we are back. And we are in Psalm 37. And and it took a while to get through this psalm. But this psalm is... You know, it's it's from David. And, you know, it's coming from David who dealt with a lot of offense in his life. You know, and especially, you know, with King Saul... You know, King Saul, you know, allowed his jealousy to take over and, and he tried to kill, you know, King David, you know, tried to kill David and David didn't do anything. He was just being a faithful servant to King Saul and doing what he was ordered to do. And he was just serving the Lord. And yes, he had been anointed king, but he just didn't have this attitude that, you know, that he's king, you know, he, he was like, when, when it's happens, it happens, you know, he was, he kind of had this attitude of take it one step out of a time. And, and granted, David wasn't perfect, but, you know, and we get these wonderful Psalms from David and this is another one. And it's just, when you see, in Psalm 37, you know, it's it's kind of got this attitude that when, you know, the enemy just seems to, when and when people that do wrong, those who do evil, when it just seems like they, when evil is conquering, you know, it's this encouragement that even though you see evil happening, even though it may seem like evil is conquering. The Lord is still on the throne and, you know, their days are numbered. And I just love this. And, you know, his attitude about it, I just love it. You know, it just goes over and over. Like my favorite thing is trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. His whole thing was, you know, do not worry about evil men. You know, instead you go do good. You trust in the Lord and who he is, that he's a God of justice, that he's good. You dwell in his land. You enjoy his presence. You know, delight yourself in him. He's going to give you the desires. And that's the thing about it. We think when the enemy is attacking us and he likes to say, you know, you're never going to have these promises. And he tries to make you feel like you have to strive for these promises that God has given you. And you don't have to strive at all for what God has promised to you. You don't have to strive, you know, especially in your salvation. You know, when you accept Jesus in as your Lord and Savior, you are already granted eternity with him. And as you are continually reading your word and and drawing near to him, you don't have to strive at all. It's not based on works. It's based on your faith and, and per, you know, pressing in into the Lord in this relationship and allowing him to do the work in you. And, you know, the enemy makes us feel like that, especially, you know, and that we don't have to strive in, in the in the what the Lord wants us to do. We don't have to strive in that. 
The Lord is going to put us in those places in his timing, just as he did with David. I mean, David, his character developed through, you know, the years that he was away from Saul, you know, and, and that he was on the run, his character was being developed. You know, it was, you know, God didn't cause Saul to be jealous. Saul himself made that choice to be jealous and want to kill David. But God turned the situation around for the good of David so that David would be prepared as as a king, you know, and how to reign and, and how to live his life, you know, and we see that, that he's, he's sharing that in his Psalms that sharing the same wisdom, you know, do not, you know, like he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the new noonday sun, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked ways. Or their wicked schemes. So essentially he's just sitting here. And, and this is a man who was chased down. He was hunted down. He probably, you know, you know, felt hunger in his life. Not knowing if he was actually possibly going to die. You know, it's, this is coming from him that, hey, trust in the Lord. Be still before him. Do not fret when they succeed, you know, his whole trust was upon the Lord. And I think it's because he knew that, you know, God was good. And I think, you know, especially in the years before Saul, that he was out in the pastures with, you know, with the sheep and not just the pastures, you know, he was out in the wilderness with the sheep and taking care of them. And think about it, you know, and I've known this, you know, because I've known people who, who raise sheep, you know, I had a science teacher and her and her husband, her husband was, he was a farmer and a, and a sheep herder or, you know, shepherd practically. He had herds of sheep and around lambing season, you know, my science teacher was always kind of in this grumpy mood. But it was because she was tired. She really, like her, her, she was more short-tempered. And it was just because she was tired because she would allow her husband to take some time to actually go get some sleep. And she would be up late at, you know, from evening up to late in the night just so that her husband could get some kind of rest. And it was a continual watching because they had to watch because some, sometimes they had to help sheep give, you know, give birth because there would be problems during the birth process. So it was tiring. So, you know, David knew about God and his provision and who he was out in that wilderness. And so... And he continually, you know, is, is telling them, I I love in verse 13, you know, the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming, you know, and, and that's his continual thing 
throughout Psalm 37 is do not take it, you know, justice upon your own hands. Let God do the justice. You just lean in, trust in him. It'll be still in him and do good. He'll deal with it. And, you know, and, and in verse 19, I just wanted to point out verse 19. Because it's talking about those, you know, who are blameless before the Lord. Which is, you know, those of us who, who call upon him by name. And we're, we're walking in his ways. Because right now, when this is being recorded, there's, there's coronavirus going around. Yeah, many people are living with a fear because of this plague that is, you know, all around. And it says in verse 19, in times of disaster, they will not wither, which, you know, that's talking about believers. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. And that's just something that I promise that we can hold to right now with what's going on with coronavirus. A lot of people, they... And I know I was struggling a little bit this weekend because it was really hard to find out that my husband wouldn't be able to play bass at our drive-up church. It was hard because it was like it felt like he was being taken out of the race. And in essence, a part of me was being taken out of the race. And because, you know, it's like we're a team and it just felt like a part of me was being taken out of the race. And it was like, I sat there and said to myself, I was like, I can't let the enemy win. And my prayer has been that, you know, okay, he can't play bass. But guess what? The Lord, I pray that the Lord does something different through my husband that he doesn't realize during this time. And we have something that, you know, this this promise that we have in this time of disaster, in this time of famine, that we're not going to wither, that we're going to enjoy plenty. You know, we are not, you know, this is all going around us, but we have that promise and we need to continually, you know, proclaim that every single day and praying that scripture. I just want to put, you know, something that, you know, David writes towards the end of the psalm. He says, I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. And he later, you know, is, is writing, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. You know, we, when we think about it, there's going to be a day that, you know, we're going to be looking and the wicked and the ruthless, they're going to be gone. They're not going to be around Their Their time is going to end. And if they're not repentant to the Lord, they don't change their life around. They're spending eternity in, in, in torment and our heart should be, you know, praying for them, hoping that they will turn from their wicked ways, that they will repent. 
And the Lord's going to honor when we have a heart that way, that we forgive them, when we have compassion for them. And we choose to do good and, and continually trust in the Lord. And so that's just something that really stood out to me that we really shouldn't let offense or what's going on, you know, when we do see evil all around us succeeding, that we shouldn't lose hope because, you know, they, they have their number and when their number comes up, you know, if they're not repentant, they'll, they'll be no more. So, and we deal with a God of justice who is going to take care of it. And that's, that's his job. It's not ours. And so that's just something that we can really clean on to right now. And so we'll take a quick break and then we're going to jump into Mark chapter 14. And we're back and we're in Mark, we're finishing up Mark chapter 14. And with Mark chapter 14, we, when we start off, you know, we're, we're ending Mark and it's, you know, pretty much we're getting up to, to the cross. And at the time that this is being recorded is actually the Passover starts on Wednesday, which is April 8th. And so we're, we're pretty much you know, we're on the Passion Week and we'll be celebrating Jesus' resurrection on Sunday, April 12th. So this is really, really cool that we're at this point. I was hoping we would be kind of around this point during Easter. And so Jesus is arrested. But prior to Jesus being arrested, I want to talk about Judas. You know, he's betrayed by a kiss it Christ is and Judas Christ called Judas or you know called Judas friend and that's that's actually in Matthew um but I wanted to point that out because I didn't catch it the last time but it was something that I I had kind of been looking into because you're going to see actually in in the book of John when he calls Somebody else, his friend, he, Jesus uses a, it's a different Greek word. Now this word for friend that he uses for, for Judas as friend is heteros and it means fellow comrade, but there's actually another one for friend that Jesus uses, which means, you know, deeper on a deeper level of love where this one is just you were just a fellow comrade. That's it. And so that's kind of got to hurt, you know, to have Jesus say that because, you know, he's betrayed at this point. You know, he had been a disciple and, and a companion with Christ, thus a, a comrade, but nothing more than that, you know, and... And it's sad. It's sad what happens. But so he ends up, you know, being arrested. 
And there's actually a part in Mark chapter 14, and after he's arrested, this is a young, in 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Now, I'm going to just share with you, you know, just something that I learned, and it's, it's a theory because we talked about the author of, of the book of Mark, which is John Mark. There has been speculation that the young man that flees naked into the night is actually a young John Mark. And that's why it makes it into the story because John Mark, you know, has has to put his his mark, no pun intended, in there. But, you know, it's only speculation. Don't allow that kind of detail to, to derail you. I've seen that where people fight over, like, they get people so confused over how many cows there were. Just focus on the gist of it. But I just wanted to share that because it's kind of interesting. And you'll hear that sometimes that that, that, that is John Mark um, in there. And that's why it's put in there. So he goes before the Sanhedrin. Jesus is taken. And there's this mock trial. And this is where... They, there's false witnesses and they're twisting what Jesus said about the temple. They're twisting that saying that he's talking about the physical temple, but you know, the geological temple, but Jesus was actually meaning, you know, his, his body that he would die and rise up three days later. So that was what was happening. But Jesus is silent that whole time. Now, when the pri- high priest, you know, asked Jesus, are you, know, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? And Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. But there's another time the priest says, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? Based on the law, Jesus had to answer at this point. And if he didn't answer at this point, that he he would have been breaking the law if he kept silent on this one. But he he says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the, the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And we see a really strange reaction from, you know, Caiaphas, which is, you know, it says high priest here, but in that time it was Caiaphas. And we see this strange reaction because we're going to see in the book of John, John shares about what Caiaphas said. And I think it's because John actually had some connections with the Sanhedrin, but Caiaphas actually said that you know it would would be necessary that one man, man die for the sins of the nation he actually had a prophecy there is some speculation some believe he actually eventually became a believer um and so this is like a strange reaction that he tears his 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 rope or the priestly garment. And actually, as we've read in the Old Testament, when it came to like death and this and that, 
death of a family member, the high priest could not rip the priestly garment. And actually, when you look to what the garment was like, it was actually double hemmed around the collar to prevent this. That So that if they, you know, just out of reaction do it, it's not supposed to happen, but he ripped it. So for him to have that kind of reaction... So he broke the law when he he ripped his garment. And so they announced a death sentence on, on Jesus at this point because they considered what he said blasphemy. And it's actually similar. We're going to see in the book of Acts that when Stephen, who's a believer, he goes before the Sanhedrin. He's taken before the Sanhedrin and he has this really long sermon. It's like the longest sermon in the book of Acts. And I've actually been writing an article about um, you know, relating to the scattering of the church to what, what's happening with, with coronavirus. But, you know, he has a vision and he sees Jesus standing on, on the right side of the Lord. He's standing you know, probably because he, you know, he's going to be seeing Stephen, receiving Stephen into, you know, heaven soon. And he says that and that they have a similar reaction and they take him out and stone him. So this isn't the first time, you know, this isn't the last time they're going to do something like this. Now, as I pointed out in the book of Matthew, the Sanhedrin, they had power um, Rome let them do, you know, run things their way. The only thing they could not carry through was a death penalty. So when we continue on in the daily reading, they, we see that he is taken to Pilate. They pronounce a death sentence on him, and but they have to take him to Pilate. And Pilate, who's the Roman governor, has to pronounce the death sentence on him. So continuing on to Peter, and we're talking about God of second chances. And it's not going to seem like this. It's like, where are you going to go with this? Peter disowns Jesus. And I wanted to point out something that he, he said, what is said in, in the book of Mark when, you know, he's there saying, oh, you know, you were one of him. You're a Galilean. And it's probably because people were like, how did they know he's a Galilean? And it's probably because of the way he talked and maybe the way he dressed. It's just kind of like, you know, when you, especially in America, you know, you can figure out that somebody is not from your area if they do not have the same dialect as, as you, you know, like in Wyoming, if you hear somebody with a real heavy Southern accent, you're just going like, you are not from around here. (laughs) Or even with a Boston accent, it's like, you're not from around here. That's just why they were able to pick up on that. Now, it says in verse 71, he began, this is Peter, he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. And I actually did a little bit of research about it and because I've heard about this, somebody preach about it, which was Perry Stone and I looked in his Bible and he actually talks about it, what it was that when we read that and in Matthew, it, it says he takes an oath and cursed. So we read that Peter swore and cursed and, and people think, oh, because he's a fisherman, he used profanity. That's what it means. That's not what it means. 
The Greek word for curse in Mark 14, 71 is the same Greek word used in, in the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, when it says a person is accursed for preaching another gospel. The word for curse and accursed in Greek is anathema, and it means to declare one liable to the severest penalty, penalties. So in the New Testament, this meant something dedicated, especially dedicated to evil. It can refer to banishing or to excommunicate. So he wasn't using profanity. You know, he what he was basically saying is like, if I don't know Christ, then let me come under a curse. So he was pretty much in the Jewish mind. He was saying, let God excommunicate me if I knew know him. That's what happened. So when the ro- rooster crowed three times, Peter and he, he, the revelation happens that, oh, what, what Jesus had told him that he was going to, to deny him three times. And he actually had told Peter that he was going to pray, that he prayed his, that his faith would not fail during that time. He, he gets this realization and I think he felt like that he had blown it at this point because he goes and he weeps. So he probably feels like he blew it. And. But we know that God is a God who gives second chances. And we'll see, you know, that at Christ's resurrection, you know, he tells them to go tell the disciples and Peter. Why is he saying and Peter? It's because he wants Peter to know and be encouraged that Christ still believed in him, that this was not the end of the road, you know, that he just had one messed up. And Christ later settles the issue. And we're going to see that in the book of John, this, this exchange. And he, you know, he, he talks with Peter and he says three times to Peter, lovest thou me, me more than these, or do you love me more? And, and in, in each time, you know, he responds all three times that he loved the Lord and that, and because of that, Christ released Peter from that self curse. And we have to be careful because, and we'll, and like, we'll read in, in the book of Proverbs that, you know, there's life and death in the tongue. And I, people are go, oh, you're one of those name it and claim it. I don't essentially believe with everything with name it and claim it, but there is some truth to it that you need to be careful. You know, that's why, you know, there are some public health officials right now that don't like me because they, they, they tend to say, oh, everybody's going to get coronavirus. And I say there, and I say to them, I don't claim it in the name of Jesus. And it's just because I know who my God is and he doesn't create sickness. And so they look at me funny because I'm a reporter and I'm a Christian reporter. When I say that, they go, what? And I'm like, I'm not going to put this in my article because I don't want people claiming it over their lives. And so that's the thing about it is we do have to be careful about how we say things like, and I get on my mom for this and, and for people that are struggling with a sickness, they tend to claim it that it's their sickness. It's not their sickness. 
It's not. It's a sickness that's in their body, but it's not theirs. And so you have to be careful about that. And, and there's just some truth to it that, that we do need to be careful with our words and what we say. But, you know, God, like I say before, God is a God of second chances. And we see that with Peter, that even though he, you know, blew it. And we're going to see, you know, in the book of Acts, what, what the Lord does through Peter. And, you know, and what he becomes. It's like, do not, you know, and, and it's like I said earlier, you know, it doesn't give us, you know, permission to go do whatever we want and then just say, oh God, give, give me a second chance. You know, no, it's more about God, you know, I screwed up here. I should have reacted differently to the situation. And I'll give, you know, I pray, give me a second chance. And we'll see that second chance come up when he is taken before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts. And I I know it sounds like spoilers, but Peter doesn't back down and he doesn't deny his faith in, in the Lord and in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how it is, is God is a God who gives us second chances. And, and, and the enemy, you know, when we do trip up and we are genuine, you know, we feel bad about it. You know, we're repentant about it. The enemy wants us to make us feel condemned, to keep us separated from the Lord. That's what condemnation is. If you feel separated from the Lord and you feel like you can't go before him, that's condemnation. Conviction makes you draw near the Lord and say, God, you know, I blew it. Please forgive me. Restore me, you know, and that is something we have to continually think about in our lives. And so, you know, that's what this podcast is essentially about is God gives us second chances. And, you know, and even though there's Psalm 37 in there about, you know, even when evil feels like it's prevailing, you know, that we're to trust in the Lord, we're not to worry about it. So, that's essentially our, our podcast for today. And I just want to encourage you just keep going in the faith. And, and if you listen to this and you feel conviction in your heart and your, in your life about maybe that you, you haven't been following the Lord the way you should. And, you know, take hope in these stories because God is a God of second chances and, you know, he's there. You know, if your heart is willing to turn away from what you've been doing and and you go for him for full force, he's going, he's going to meet you right there. He's not going to be one that's going to say, well, I'll think about it. No, he, it's instantly you, you're forgiven and he's going to turn your life around. So for the next podcast, we're going to go into Numbers chapter 27 Uh, verses 1 through 23 and then psalm 38 verses 1 through 8 proverbs chapter 6 verses 32 through 35 so we'll be talking about proverbs chapter 6 the next podcast and then mark chapter 15 verses 1 through 20 and so i'm going to end in a prayer and i just say thank you lord jesus for for your love and your devotion lord we thank you god that Lord, just what David was writing over and over again, you know, just that you're on the throne, 
that you are a God of justice, but not just that, but you love us. You're merciful and that Lord, you're quick to forgive. And that Lord, I just pray God that you would just search our hearts, Lord. And Lord, if there's an area where we've been distracted in our calling, where we've allowed ourselves to live with offense over, over was over evil happening, Lord, if we haven't been doing what what you want you know walking in your ways lord and and doing our own ways and living in sin lord i just pray that you would just speak to our hearts lord i pray god that that lord you would forgive us lord help us restore us lord god and and just help us to to walk in your ways lord and and to be quick to forgive and and to trust in you and not fear when when there's evil or fear all around, but to know who you are, that you are there with us and that Lord, we just thank you, God. And Lord, just continue to reveal yourself to us and in your word and that Lord, just pour out your spirit upon us in these times. And that Lord, we just thank you. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Mm -hmm.